The Tactical Transition Navigating the Civilian Frontier Mastering Career Strategies Sharpening Networking Tools and Creating a Successful Transition Plan Hello everyone, welcome to the Tactical Transition Podcast. We focus on our senior military leaders as they transition from their military careers into the civilian job market, covering best practices, up-to-date trends, additional resources, and tips for landing that dream job. This is episode number one, and I'm so excited about this. I am Cindy Poe. Uh, I, I am an executive career coach with ESL Seminars, and I am here with my battle buddy, Michelle Lewis. It's so funny. I was like, we were talking about this prior uh, to getting ready to video. I was like, well, what do, we, do I say business partner? That sounds so like cold. Do I say friend? Because I've known her like we've known each other our whole lives. My favorite is when we talk about each other, we usually say this is my partner in crime. Now, I will tell you, I have no idea what crime we're committing, but we are prepared. We have bail money and we have a getaway car, so we are good to go. Absolutely. So You don't need to know the crime. What do you say? <laughs> this is my business associate. This is my business partner. This is my battle buddy. So, um, Cindy, I'm, I'm real excited uh, to get this thing going. Episode one of Tactical Transition. Um, very exciting time. And I'm really even more excited because I know what our mission is and I know what our purpose is. And so anytime I know that we're doing something for the betterment of veterans, I, I just get, just get, you know, like goosebumps and ready to go. So um, let's get this thing started. Absolutely. And what better way to start our episodes than with our first guest? I'm so excited. Michelle, I'm going to let you tell us who we have with us today. Um, because it is because of you, I know John, and I, I just am very grateful for you for that because he is an awesome person to know. So I'm going to let you do his intro. Absolutely. I'd be more than honored to. So we have with us today on our very first episode, John Perez. John happens to be a good friend, but more so um, John and I have partnered with a couple different things in working with veterans. Uh, John partners with my husband, who is a veteran um, in several different uh, projects. And so I know John, uh, not only from a personal level, but from a professional level. And so I thought that this was just the great, great way to get Get it, this thing started. So John is the founder and president of Valor and Honor Outdoors, and that's a nonprofit that serves active duty military members and veterans, first responders, and their families uh, by providing outdoor recreation opportunities, counseling, and other services. John's also a land specialist and realtor with Mossy Oak Properties in Northeast North Carolina. And he has a great passion for exceptional customer service, um, meaning that he enjoys working and helping his clients, whether they're looking to buy or sell property. Now, John has over 30 years business experience working with Fortune 500 companies such as Lincoln Financial Group. Many of you have heard that uh, group, um, AT&T Mobility, um, where he has held various roles, including AVP Customer Care, director of business retention and call center director, and has managed 13 different call centers over the course of his career. He has extensive experience in investigations, corporate security, aviation, customer service, and insurance. 
Interestingly enough, John is a Marine Corps veteran and comes from a family where his father served in the Coast Guard and Navy. His sister served in the Army and brother served in the Air Force. So John's family covered all of the bases there. He lives in Edenton, North Carolina, where John enjoys fishing and all that the coast of North Carolina has to offer. So um, welcome, John. We are very excited to bring you on as our guest speaker um, today. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm especially honored to know it's uh, episode one. So uh, try to get this right. <laughs> John is such a listening to that bio. John is such a Renaissance man. I'm so excited to get into a lot of this stuff, and and I'm going to uh, I'm going to just pretend that I don't know he was a Marine and just move on from that. Ah, <laughs> just, just kidding, that, just kidding, just kidding. I get a lot of that. <laughs> uh, no, John, I, I will tell you something interesting I read the other day. Um, it was talking about the Marine, um, the Marine Corps having the ability to hit its recruiting uh, um, numbers this year. And just a little tidbit about that, you know, all the services are struggling to recruit, but the Marine Corps announced they will, in fact, hit their um, numbers. And when asked, when talking to them about why do you think that? Why do you think the Marine Corps has the ability? Well, one, because it is a smaller branch. Um, but when asked what kind of uh, recruitment bonuses or or promises were they making to the Marines, um, the person said, uh, we don't offer any mar uh, Marines bonuses. We offer them the, a chance to call themselves a Marine. And I thought that is the greatest answer. And so it tickled me. I thought that's exactly as as I was growing up, the Marine Corps was truly tip of the spear and people viewed you like that now coming from the army background me and cindy are definitely going to poke you especially as we Absolutely. get into the, those football game you know time frames but um but we do thank you for your service I, I, any any um any branch of service that somebody raises their hand and volunteers to to go into we have a great admiration for so we do we do appreciate you but go ahead poke away cindy <laughs> I will. I will. No, no. But it, it is amazing, though, to listen to those recruiting numbers. And, and you know, uh, I think historically, I, I think I'm correct about this. Correct me if I am wrong, Michelle. But I think that uh, the Marines have a lower retention rate. And someone asked that. They said, well, why do they have a... I said, well, there's a really logical reason why the Marines have a lower retention because they get the heck beat out of them. Like that is a tough job to do for 20 or 30 years. So, so kudos to all of our, our senior leader Marines who we just absolutely love. I'm totally picking on you about that, John, because we, we speak with our Marines at Henderson hall, uh, you know, every month or so. And uh, we just, uh, it's such a commitment that, that they give. So let's talk about, let's talk about that with, um, with you and your transition out of the Marines, what was your, tell us what your transition from Marine to civilian looked like. So, uh, you know, the, the first job I took after coming off of active duty was honestly, I wanted to be able to find the best job, the right job with some longevity to it. And so I, day one, I got a job with a security company doing security. Um, I was a young Marine, thought I was bulletproof and invincible. So what better job to have? I worked at a pretty upscale country club in Boca Raton, Florida. But the main reason I took that job was because I worked at night. So it freed up my days to have the time to apply um, and, and look for, you know, that dream job. And um, 
So, you know, that, that was my first job. But my first full-time job was working for a company that did design and installation of very high-end audiovisual equipment. And um, I had spent a lot of time learning electronics in the Marine Corps. I worked on tow missile systems and, you know, had, had just had a lot of time uh, doing that kind of study. So I thought, you know, let me find a job that aligned with my skill set. Um, so that, that was my first job. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from that job. Um, and I know we can we can talk about that a little bit if you want. Oh, what did you learn? Well, I mean, because, uh, you know, something that Cindy and I talk about is not all lessons learned <laughs> came from uh, positive uh, opportunities. Sometimes experiential learning is the the best uh, teacher. So um, share with us, you know, did you learn through a positive means or was this well, one of those opportunities where you said, hmm? <laughs> yeah. So it, honestly, it was a little bit of both. Uh, so my first job, you know, one of the most important things I learned was that I probably did not want to spend the rest of my life working electronics. Um, you know, I chose that field because um, it seemed like a good MOS. I felt like there was a good career post uh, military service in the electronics field. And, um, but doing the job day in and day out, I just realized this wasn't especially appealing or rewarding or something that I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on as we talk about how it applies to folks who are transitioning. Cause I think it's an important point. Um, however, the other important lesson I learned was about leadership. So in the Marine Corps, I had the opportunity to be exposed to many types of leadership. Uh, good leaders and not so good leaders. And because of that, I knew what to expect from a good leader. My expectations were extremely high. And the company that I worked for was run by two brothers. Uh, one was a good leader and one was a not so good leader. Unfortunately, the person who was making the day-to-day -day decisions was one the one that wasn't uh, so good at leadership. And, um, you know, he consistently made promises that he wouldn't keep. So I made a tough decision to leave that job because I didn't want to invest any more of myself and my time into a business where I couldn't trust trust my boss to do what he said he was going to do. Um, I won't lie. It, it was tough to walk away from a good job like that, uh, but it gave me the confidence to do the same thing later on in my career uh, when I found myself in the same situation. And um, sometimes jobs just aren't a good match. And it's better to cut your losses and move on and start putting all your energy towards something that's going to really um, grow your career and enhance your growth and provide a better future. Right. Absolutely. And I I, I love that you share that because I, I will tell you that one thing that's uh, something that Cindy and I teach our veterans and we talk and talk and talk about is finding that professional balance. You may mm -hmm. never find a job that you are 100 percent happy at. But boy, you got to be at least 85% because you have to invest your time and energy in this process and this day to day, you know, eight to 10 hours you spend with this company or this project or, you know, this group or, and, and if they are not aligned with your professional values, your professional ethics, um, it, it, it becomes very tough to have to stay in that kind of environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great quote too. Tough to walk away from a good job, and and we do tell our our, our service members that that you know that's why we want them. We have this mentality of aim small, miss small. Try to try to hone in and find that 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 thing you really want to do that's going to fulfill you because we know as as service members one of their best characteristics is their loyalty. 
And so even if they get in a job and they don't love it, they'll stay because they're loyal to the person who gave them the opportunity. And, uh, and we want them to understand that, yeah, sometimes it is tough to walk away from a good job, but sometimes you have to do it if it's, if it's in your best interest and in your family's best interest. So, yeah, I love that. Absolutely. John, was so, there anything yeah. in those first moments of transition, in those first couple years of transition that you would say, if I had the opportunity to go back, I probably wouldn't do this? Um, great question. So the first thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask for help. And I think that can be hard for people who have been serving the military for many, many years. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you've ar probably already overcome that hurdle because you're here for a reason. Um, but life in the civilian world is very different than life in the military. And if you spend a good deal of time in the military, then there are undoubtedly many career fields in the civilian world that you're not even aware of because they didn't exist when you enlisted. Mm -hmm. So talking to professionals, like you and Cindy, who are up to speed on the current workforce trends and opportunities can be extremely beneficial. I mean, keep in mind that you don't know what you don't know. So rely on others to help provide some insight uh, in, into those opportunities. Um, another thing that I would say is you may not know what your quote unquote dream job is. Uh, in the military, you don't have um, the luxury of just kind of choosing whatever role you want. You work in a specific field and you may be stuck in that field for, for many, many years. And, and, and as we know, you can't just quit, say, I don't like it. So, um, you know, hopefully at this stage in someone's life, they've identified two things that I think are very important. First, what are they passionate about? Uh, and second, what are they good at? Uh, you know, for me, that light bulb didn't go off probably until I was in my late 20s and I had the opportunity to lead and manage people. And I found out that I absolutely loved it and I was actually pretty good at it. So, yes. you know, I, th I think those those are, are, are really important things. Um, and the point that I'm trying to make here is that just because you've been doing something for a very long time doesn't mean that that's what your passion or purpose is. Don't take a job post-military service because you're comfortable with it, uh, because it's in a field where you have some expertise. This is the perfect time to evaluate what kinds of things make you feel alive and give you joy and a sense of purpose. I, you know, Cindy, just uh, turn off the lights. So let's just call it a day right there, because that is exactly <laughs> my drop. Exactly, that is exactly what we uh, what we want our veterans to hear and know. And I, I can tell you right now, we tell them time and time again exactly what you said: uh, purpose and and passion and opportunities and all of those things that you just covered. So excellent. That was a, a, a really good point of advice there. So I appreciate it. Cindy, I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's, let's go into some, some things that John's doing now though. I know I'm so excited to talk with you uh, about valor and honor outdoors. I, I, I tell you from the time that I first had a conversation with you about what you were doing, I was so excited about this because I think that this, this kind of program is just something that is needed in so many communities and in so many areas. So first of all, tell us about what the program is. Sure. So, so Valor on, and Honor Outdoors, basically, it's a venue to serve those who serve by providing what we call outdoor therapy or outdoor recreational opportunities. And it's just a way to honor and thank them for their service. It's to make sure that they understand that 
their sacrifice and hard work hasn't gone unnoticed and that there are people out there who appreciate it. Uh, it's a, a an opportunity to give them a venue to de-stress from military life and enjoy God's creation through outdoor recreation. Um, and it's to broaden and expand their personal networks uh, so that they have a new set of resources to understand what military service is and it's all what it's all about and to work and have fun around people who understand the challenges that, that they might have. And it's to have a new set of friends who could help them, help them navigate through the change um, that comes from transitioning from military service to civilian life. So fantastic. And, um, you know, we talk about networking. We always say that in their arsenal of, you know, the job search toolbox, networking is going to be their most important tool and they need to keep that sharpened and keep it at home. And a lot of times when you talk about networking, people always think about, you know, businesses and, and going on LinkedIn and reaching out to, uh, you know, friends that they had in the past who transitioned and stuff. This kind of organization is a fantastic networking opportunity too, because there's an aspect to this. This is when I hear you talk about it and, you know, when looking into it, this is hitting on an aspect that, that not a lot of TAP program, if you will, the transition assistance program touches on. And that's that, that mental part, you know, the part that, that, that is probably the most uneasy part of this transition, because it's not only about what you've been through, but it's also, there's an identity loss here. There's a, you know, that feeling of not belonging to anything anymore. And I think this kind of, of organization is a, you know, it's an embracing and you belong kind of situation. And, and, and so that type of networking, I think is important to, for people to realize is out there. Um, so Talk to us about any current projects that you have going on, like what's happening right now inside the organization. So right now we're at a point where there's probably more demand than we have capacity to support. Uh, thankfully, we've never had to turn anyone away. Uh, we just added a couple new strategic board members uh, so that we can kind of expand. We're working on a potentially large project to sort of partner with another organization that's going to provide us even more opportunities to get out there and provide more outdoor resources and um, venues for people to come and heal and, uh, you know, spend time with their families and things like that. And I can't share any details about that yet because it's kind of still works, but um, you know, more folk, we've been doing this since 2014 and now we've established a name for ourselves. We have a good reputation within the community. And um, so more people are starting to come on board and say, Hey, how can we help and how can we support the mission? I love it. So, uh, John, how can we help and support the mission? Is there a, um, a website or anything like that that you can share? Sure. Folks can find us on Facebook, ValorAndHonorOutdoors.com. Um, there's different organizations out there, and sometimes the names uh, get a little tricky, but ours is Valor and Honor Outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, the other way is per helping to provide a venue to uh, take advantage of the outdoors. So if someone has a vacation rental or a mountain cabin and they've got even one weekend open a year, that's a perfect opportunity to reach out to us and say, hey, I would love to have a military family come and enjoy this place for the weekend. A lot of the folks that we deal with are still either active duty or actively involved in the intelligence communities or whatever it might be. And so they need a safe place where no one's going to film them. Uh, you know, we're not about photo opportunities and things like that, but we just need a safe place where these folks can come 
pre-deployment and post-deployment, because those are very challenging times for families. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things we love is getting families together in the outdoors just to kind of recapture all that time that they've lost. Military families on both sides, the spouses and the children and, and the, the, the soldier themselves, they miss so much, so many birthdays and special occasions and events and special moments. And so having a venue where they can kind of come together and spend some quality time together to kind of make up for all those lost years is very important. So resources that we can leverage, uh, whether they're vacation homes, whether it's land that we can lease, um, reach out to us and, and let us know um, what you think you might have. And, you know, potentially we can partner on that. Love it. So, John, you're the founder um, of Valor and Honor Outdoors. Is that correct? I am the founder. My son, Ben, is is the co-founder. Uh, I would love to tell you that we had this great strategic plan on building this organization. But the truth of the matter is we just kind of stumbled upon the opportunity. Uh, my, my son, Ben, uh, Ben just turned 27 this week, as a matter of fact. And uh, early on in his life at 14 years old, he started blowing a duck call. And what people might not realize is there's actually a market out there for competitive duck callers. And so Ben started competing competitively at 14. Uh, within a year or so, he was the top youth in the, in the, in the, in the state. And uh, today he's a five-time state duck calling champion. I think he has one state goose calling championship under his belt. But when, we, when Ben was 15, I took him to Maryland on a charity goose hunt. And um, unbeknownst to me, some Marines were, had been watching him. And they came over and um, they said, hey, we've been watching this young man call a go blow a goose call. Would he be willing to come down to Quantico? Uh, we host wounded warriors there from Walter Reed and Bethesda and uh, – just teach him how to blow a duck call and goose call, then take them out hunting on Quantico. And I said, he'd be honored. And they said, well, don't you want to ask him? And I said, no, I don't need to ask him. I'm an old Marine. I'm telling you, we'd be honored. So uh, I went to Ben and I said, hey, you know, son, you're 15. We're going to go to Quantico. You're going to be around some active duty Marines and soldiers. And you're going to hear some things you probably haven't heard a lot. Uh, it's, you know, it's a different community. And, um, but you have an opportunity now to serve true heroes. And so we actually went up and visited an organization called Quimzo, the Quantico Injured Military Sportsman Association. And for two years, we would go up annually and Ben would hold these duck hunts and teach clinics on blowing a duck call and goose call. And we just saw the healing effects of being outdoors. Right. And I, I heard a conversation between a, a soldier who was an 82nd Airborne soldier and a Marine, and he, he'd been shot by a sniper and he was recovering. And, you know, he said man, this, this is so helpful in my healing process. I wish I could do it more than once a year. And I, I looked at him, I said, Hey, Jake, you know, where are you located? And he said, I'm at Fort Bragg. I said, man, I, I live 90 minutes from you, you know, call me and I'll take you hunting or fishing anytime. Well, Jake called me like a week or two later and said, I want to go. So we started fishing and hunting together and then, uh, got him his first goose, his first deer. And he called me one day and said, Hey, we had a guy in the platoon who I think is having a hard time and, you know, um, thinks he, thinks he needs some, time outdoors. And so I invited him and before I knew it, my phone was ringing. And then the 82nd guys told the SF guys and the SF guys told the JSOC guys. And before I knew it, guys were just showing up and I was just pumping 75 guys through my farm. And I was like, wow, there's a huge need for this. And, yeah. and that was really the birth of Valor and Honor Outdoors when we saw the, 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 the benefits of our therapy. I absolutely. And see, that's what I, I love. When you talk about outdoor therapy, um, you know, often uh, 
the veterans that we work with, we, we do have veterans that are going through, you know, um, medical injuries or something like that. But a lot of times it's just the stress and anxiety. And what I love about your organization is what can I help you with? Period. You know, it's not va- uh, um, I need you to validate that you are a, a that this is happening or that is happening or you bring this to the table. You simply say if there is a need. Um, let us let us work with you, veteran. And in that outdoor therapy doesn't mean, and that means you're going to sit down and tell me all of your problems and we're going to give you all this great advice. Sometimes that's the best therapy is that I'm not going to sit down and talk with you. We're going to walk through the woods. We're going to sludge through some, some, uh, you know, some mud and some, and some uh, a dew on the, uh, across the pond. And, um, Often that is just absolutely something that can just bring the level of anxiety uh, down in a veteran. Um, You know, we've got folks who maybe leave in the military, not by their choice. And they have families, they have uh, situations that they need to take care of those families. And they know that they're capable of getting a job, but there is such a level of of anxiety and like Cindy said earlier, identity loss. Um, And so sometimes those um opportunities that you have aren't necessarily for the physical um you know challenges that a veteran brings to the table but the opportunity to settle their heart and settle their mind um and so that's why i absolutely love your organization and i it tickles me that uh that it was just by random chance that it happened yeah ab- absolutely now i'll tell you a lot of times the for lack of a better term the healing happens around a campfire we're not doing anything just sitting around a campfire with a bunch of like-minded individuals talking trash about different branches to each other. Um, you know, like we did at the beginning of this call and, and you kind of touch on this, but I see two types of folks that come through our program. And some are those that are transitioning because it was part of the grand plan. They've been planning for this for years. They knew this day was coming and they're ready for it. There's still some anxiety associated with it because they've been out of the civilian world for so long, but the other ones are those that didn't expect it. You know, their dream was to be a ranger or to be a seal or be a raider. And now at 26 or 27, they've been blown up or shot so many times. And, you know, the military comes up and says, thanks, but we don't need you anymore. You're too broken for us. And these are folks that knew what they wanted to be when they were 10 and 11 years old. And now they think their life is over. And so that transition brings some other challenges with it because they just weren't ready for this. And um, so one of the things I... I, I say we like to do is help people find peace, purpose, hope, and healing, but everybody comes from a different place. And um, so, so, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we're really, really good at and providing that career counseling and just talking to them and connecting them with other folks who've been there and done that. Uh, so I think that's really, really important. It's one way that we can, we can help folks. It's amazing. Honestly, it is. And I do love that it was just a happenstance, if you will, that it came to be and, Lots of uh, fun things come from from those uh, situations, but just thinking about how that must have been, seeing that build up. You know, you're utilizing your farm, correct? You were utilizing your farm for these, these camping yeah. and hunting situations, and and just seeing that build into what it is now. That's that's really exciting. The best things happen that way, I think. And uh, it's a, yeah, it's absolutely. It was, it was very spontaneous. That. Yeah, it was spontaneous. And, you know, now we take out between 250 to 350 folks a year in about 10 different states. And so, you know, having land to lease is very important because, you know, I no longer have a large farm and 
Um, but we've got some some good supporters and, uh, you know, we really do need folks help in, in that aspect. A lot of the folks that you work with, a lot of the veterans that you work with, um, turn around and pay it forward then. They then offer to to be your, at least that's experience I've seen. Is that true? It's 100% true. And I'm probably going to reveal a secret here that, you know, is no longer going to be a secret. But one of the challenges when you're dealing with those, especially those who've served in combat and suffered loss, which is anybody who served in combat, is they get survivor's guilt. And sometimes the guilt will be overwhelming to the point where they will back out at the last minute and say, you know, I can't go. My buddy's never made it home. and I don't feel right getting at, to go out here and, and do this stuff. And it's been a tough one to overcome. But one of the ways that I've overcome it is I've kind of changed my approach. And I'll say, you know, let's just say his name is John. I'll say, John, I've got a soldier that would love to go fishing. I can't take them next Wednesday. Would you take my boat and take them out for me? And they will do that because they're doing it for me and it's not for them. And they will go take this person out. And inevitably 100% of the time, they will call me afterwards and saying, dude, that was amazing. When can I do it again? How can I get involved? Because one of life's little secrets that I believe is that you cannot help someone else without, without helping yourself. And when they get an opportunity to do that, it's healing and it kind of puts your problems in perspective when you're helping someone else. So absolutely uh, our best volunteers and our best board members and guides are those that have been through the program and um, see its impacts. Uh, you know, I, I had a special forces veteran, a green beret. Uh, he had nine combat deployments and he would come up and bring his girls up. He had twins. And uh, one time his wife came and she just, she and I were talking privately and she said, I had to come because my husband is a different person when he comes home after one of these events. And I had to come see why. And um, that was real eye-opening for me. That was the, you know, probably the second year we were in existence. And I realized that the things that we were doing were having a broader impact than just on the individual. They were trickling down to the family. You know, one wife sent me a note and said, and it's hard to say without, you know, breaking down, but she basically said, thank you for giving me my husband back. And thank you for giving my son his father back. So, so that's why we do what we do. Yeah, I, I just love it. That's and that's why we wanted Beautiful. you to be on our first episode. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, because it is. It's just really true, John. Is that there? You know, just I think if we can get the message out there that there are truly people who want to help because they want to give back because they understand the sacrifice. They understand. That's what I say all the time. I, I understand the sacrifice. I, I understand it. It's different for every person, but I understand it. And if there's something we could do to make this easier for someone, we want to do that. Uh, my dad used to say, if you want to thank a soldier, be somebody, you know, worthy of living in the country that they fought for, you know, be worthy of it, be worthy of their fight. And so if I can give back a little bit, and that's how Michelle and I, this is how ours came to be in sort of that moment of sadness and frustration. You know, that's how uh, Eastville came to be. So we get that. And it's such a beautiful thing that you're offering this venue and what a wonderful thing to have, have a, a spouse say to you is thank you for giving me my, my husband back. Cause you know, how many don't get to get their husband back? You know, Absolutely. I mean, like, seriously, I, I, you hear these stories. So, so I say thank you uh, and your son <laughs> and his awesome duck calling 
uh, abilities because this something wonderful sprang from that. And I just think that's a beautiful story. And that is the perfect story for our first podcast. Indeed. I think so. Well, that's great. Ben is definitely the hero of the story. It was, it was, it was a God-given talent that he was willing to share with, with our, our military. And uh, we're just honored. You know, people don't need to thank us. We, I promise you that, you know, we get 10 times the amount of blessing by doing it than any, anybody might get participating. So. Amazing. Yeah. And we will definitely in the show notes, everyone will be able to link up to their Facebook page. Uh, uh, the Valor and Honor Outdoors will we'll have a link to your Facebook page. If there's a website, we'll link everything there uh, so that if anybody does, as you had said, have um, resources that they can contribute, we want everyone to be able to do that. So we'll make sure that's in our show notes and in any of the correspondence sent out uh, about the show. So we want to have our guests tell our audience a little fun fact about themselves, something that unless they knew you, they wouldn't know. So this is your ability to get to know John Perez. What do we not know about you that the audience would be interested in? You know, I, I don't know that uh, anything about me is interesting. However, you know, if you spend any time around me, you know, I will tell you my faith drives me. Uh, that's my foundation. And um, we are not a faith-based organization, but if you ask me what gives me strength, that, that, that's certainly what gives me strength. Uh, you know, a fun fact that maybe people don't know about me is I, I took up chess at a very young age. I, I believe it was fifth grade. My brother's friend taught it to me. Uh, I learned it very quickly. And I think by seventh grade, I was the middle school chess champion and uh, competed for, for a little while. But that taught me a lot. Learning chess at such a young age taught me to think two and three and four steps ahead. And that just has proved invaluable in my life and my career. Uh, but that's really something that probably very, very few people know about me. I I, I did not know that. Uh, let me tie into that, John. Something uh, I can share is uh, when my son was a young, young boy, little boy, my husband would play chess with him and and he wouldn't be able to beat my husband. And he would cry, you know, it would hurt his feelings. He's only like five, six years old and he's learning this game and and my husband would beat him. And I would say to my husband, stop that, stop stop beating him in chess. That's such a hard game. And he, he wouldn't listen. And I, I will, I would guess it was right around either age nine or 10 my son came to me so ecstatic and he said, I beat dad. I beat dad in chess. And I, you know, went back in a private moment and said, did you let him win? And he said, no, I, I didn't let him win. He earned it. He figured it out. He developed those thought processes, which is why I never let him let him win uh, to begin with. He had to figure this out. He had to learn it. And I just, uh, so I always associate chess with that moment when my young son was like, I did and you know, and it is such a a thought process, strategic learning kind of game. So that's very interesting about you. Yeah, and and knowing George, I think it was a given that he was wasn't going to let Chris win. You know, he was going <laughs> to yeah. make him earn it. So I there think we all know him well enough to know that. So. Yeah, there's not there's a chance not George a chance. is letting any. If you get to win at anything with George, you can feel really proud of yourself. He is not giving yeah, anything. Absolutely, you earned it. Yeah, you earned absolutely. it. That's, That's exactly awesome. right. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been just an amazing conversation, um, John. I, I thank you so much. I can't. I can't say thank you enough for taking the time uh, to talk with us today. Is there anything additional that you want to add about? 
Valor and Honor Outdoors or anything you want to say to our transitioning service members as we're uh, signing off here? Well, you know, two things. One, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity. I, uh, I, I've led a life pretty much behind the scenes and I, I, I prefer to be behind the scenes, but uh, sometimes I'll come into the light to, to kind of share. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to come out here and, and talk. Um, you know, one other thing that I would kind of uh, put out there for folks that are transitioning is one trend that I sometimes see is as they're preparing their resumes and looking at job descriptions, very often they'll focus on all the things that all the qualifications that they don't meet. And I, I tell them all the time, don't do that. I have never been qualified officially for any job I've ever had. There was always something in that job description that I wasn't qualified for or a skill set or a cert certification I didn't have. And um, civilian employers very often don't understand how broad-based the skill set a, a military person has to have to be successful at their role. So instead of telling an employer what you don't have, focus on what skill sets you do bring to the job, focus on what qualities you bring the job and why you think it'd be a good fit for that for that company and don't get caught up in certain job requirements that you don't meet excellent excellent advice i totally agree 100 percent. well this has been a fantastic fantastic show uh thank you all for listening we appreciate your time and we will never waste it and to our transitioning military veterans our focus is to bring you the aim small, miss small concept and hone your focus into each transition process step. Thank you. Until next time. This has been the Tactical Transition Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to push the follow button on our podcast and subscribe to ESELseminars.com.